My name is Paula I mean, appa- apparently I've forgotten how to do that already. <laughs> His name is Paula Olacombe. My name is Helen uh, If you enjoy this podcast, please rate, comment and subscribe. And if you would like to get in touch with us, you can do on Twitter, which is at breakdown uh, underscore old, or email us on oldfashioned.breakdown at gmail.com. Uh, this week, we'll be looking at season two, episode one, entitled for those who think young right i'm gonna read what fola wrote for in this episode but then i'm gonna tell you my version okay so in this episode we return to the office on valentine's day peggy creates a tagline for mohawk airlines don considers hiring younger people and peggy accepts help from a stranger do you mean betty I think there's some sort of... Um, no, Betty accepts help from a stranger, from, yeah, the, from the mechanic. I think there's some sort of um, Freudian slip when it comes to Betty and Peggy and me. Basically, Crowley I... <laughs> likes to write Betty out of bad men because he, he, I don't know, he, he's got some sort of like weird relationship. But basically, Betty accepts help from, help from a stranger. But actually, <laughs> Betty tries to enter the world of sex work. <laughs> Don is on the verge of a midlife crisis. Right. Paul really, really doesn't want to have a kid. Or already has one. No. Pete. Pete. God, I can't do it. We should just give up. Just give up. Just go home right now. We should write that stuff down. (laughs) Um, Right. Okay. So, I was going to ask you what you thought of the episode, but it doesn't seem like you remember it. (laughs) Um, So, I... Well, I only watched it like four hours ago. Okay, so you should um, So, I do remember it. Okay. Um, I... I think before we switched on the old uh, or press the old record button, I was sort of saying how I didn't feel like I had a whole lot to say about this episode because, I mean, I quite enjoyed it, but, you know, I just sort of, it was, it's one of those things where it's like, the first thing I was trying to work out was how long after the last season it oh, was, right? right? Okay, yeah, yeah. So I believe it was, it's about a year, am I correct? It's about two years, I think. Two years? Yeah, I think it's six. But it can't be because here's the thing, right? So one of the things that they're talking about is the fact that Peggy's been off work for like a few months or something. Yeah. And they're like speculating about where she's been. So it can't be two years because... So I think... So I th- if I'm right, I think the first season is set in 1959. 1962. Is it 62? Yeah. So I, I sort of, you know, I was trying to figure that out. I spent probably the first 10 minutes trying to figure that out. But I figured that it was either sort of a, f- a few months after the last one because obviously it's Peggy's first day back at work mm. but then it could be a bit longer I mean you've got to say with um, Paul's beard like how long it would take him to grow <laughs> such a such a painfully sort of sad little beard I didn't even notice he had a beard to be honest yeah. what? what do you mean <laughs> notice he had a beard okay I, I, wow. didn't, I didn't notice it um, yeah so did you did you get any idea of what the th- theme or anything or what do you think about the title or well it's a lot about youth isn't it this episode I and mean, they kind of give you the theme right up front in the title yeah um it's a lot about i think it's a lot about youth and beauty um, right. i mean there are things that have definitely changed since the last season i mean one of the first things was don getting a lock on his office mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and yeah. then obviously all the girls 
getting ready for work, like the youth and beauty thing. And then it's sort of like, then you kind of go in and it's, they're all sort of, you know, asking about in the meeting, going like, they just want to eat the sandwich and stuff. They basically all become sort of normal people instead of these really hardworking, thirsty men. Yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, it seems very much uh, business as usual. And obviously we see the return of Roger and Roger's looking great. Mm -hmm. You know, he's like, he's, he's, uh, he's live and kicking again. Not sure what's going on between him and Joan, but yeah, I think it was like a weird, like sort of like catch up where it's like, here's where they all are now kind of episode. Like Betty on a little horse, like. I mean, Betty, um, Joan and, um, Joan and uh, Roger, to me, that whole scene was very much like them to, they kind of, they had a lot of chemistry and it was just like they were kind of just, you know, not jumping on each other basically because they were trying to be, I don't know, trying to, like she's got this, like he's got his um, wife and he, like she says, you're in love with your wife and um, he's still kind of, and, and she's kind of like trying to move on with this new guy and it felt kind of... But can he even have sex? Because obviously <laughs> he's got a heart condition. I mean, he can't even smoke a cigarette. This is true. So this can he even true. have sex? Is he... Because, I mean, he didn't really call her in there for a specific reason other than to, like, Oggle have a tease. Her. Yeah, and, like, ogle <laughs> her and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, it's true. He didn't, did he? He just kind of... She just came in and, like... And he basically just wanted to see her walk out again so he could look at her ass, um, which is kind of interesting. I mean, I would, so... <laughs> Um, so is that it? So you're saying basically you think it's about you, your your main theme with it is youth. Yeah, I think it's youth, and I think it's um, I think it's sort of about how people use their charms and their uh, I don't know physical attributes to use against other people. I don't mm. know. It's sort of a funny one, isn't it? Because it's kind of like I mean, I think the the underlying things for me was that whole moment where. Obviously, one of the big scenes is when Betty and Don meet. And we were... Re- actually, can we start there? Let's start there. What's that, Don? You know, I haven't, I haven't actually said what I think. Of All right. Do so. you know what? Let's, let's, let's start while Fola gives his monologue. <laughs> and then we'll continue. We'll get into it. Go. Uh, okay. I'm going to try to not be a, not make it a monologue this time. Um, so, okay. So, I think this episode is called uh for those who think young right and that's obviously there's a lot of youth in the episode definitely that's kind of like blatantly there but i think there's more to it than that um because i think this show obviously always goes like really deep and like mm-hmm. kind of tries to um throw you off a bit and what i think the episode is about well for the for those who think young was actually a uh it was a slogan for pepsi at the time, I think Pepsi kind of launched this slogan around that time, I think, in that year. Oh, uh, was it? I didn't know that. So, um, and what's interesting about Pepsi, what's interesting about them using Pepsi in this show is re- it's really weird because normally, I think a big part of this show is like Coca-Cola. Yeah. Um, and you see Coca-Cola everywhere. So it's weird that they'd use Pepsi, right? So I was reading about Pepsi and like how, and how Pepsi is kind of, I, something I didn't realize about Pepsi is they were very, very, um, I don't know if it's instrumental, but they used a lot of, basically they were seen as the African-American drink, the African-American counterpart to Coca-Cola when they like really early on. I can't remember the the dates exactly. And um, 
they basically did all of this like um outreach sort of program to kind of like speak to african-americans and get them involved and all this kind of stuff because it was their way of getting a sort of like an audience or sort mm. of or some sort of like um uh, uh, market um and they did this for ages and ages and ages and they did, basically essentially they did the right thing they did something good and they made an effort to you know listen to what people were saying they wanted and they did the exact thing that people asked for right? mm. And I think that's what this episode is about. I'm just watching Helen as she tries to go through. <laughs> you can just see the little cogs turning <laughs> in my little head. Um, I, I mean, I, I can see that in that. I don't know if it, if they think, did the right thing. Is like because I mean I think what you could say about that is you know was it they were doing the right thing because they were appealing to an to an audience that had previously been unspoken to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They were doing the moral thing is probably a better way of, 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 of explaining it. And I think this episode is about not necessarily doing the moral thing, but doing what you think is... Doing what you think will appeal to to people and kind of doing what you, doing what's right by other people, I think, is, what, is probably the best way of putting it. Um, so the best way to sort of talk about it from the the viewpoint of the show is like through Don basically and this and this idea that um the whole show is set the first episode is set in um uh, Valentine's Day and mm. okay so the reason it's set in Valentine's Day is a really weird one as well so like this is my interpretation of why it's set in Valentine's Day and the reason I kind of got a bit freaked out about the date mm. um of, of the year so you know I keep talking about Lacan yes so Lacan, so I said like in the last episode that um, Lacan did all these, le- did like a lecture every year. That was kind of wrong. He did a seminar every year, which is a group of lectures. Um, and the seminar that he did in 1961 to 62, I think it was 1961 to 62, uh, was called um, Identification. And the first seminar he did in that um um seminar and the first seven the first lecture he did in that seminar uh was called in the beginning was love (laughs) and i think the theme of this episode i don't think there's an actual you know i was saying like i was trying to fit a, a a philosopher to each episode last season i don't know if there's a philosopher for this one maybe nietzsche I'm not sure, or maybe it's just Lacan. Um, but there's definitely a theme, I think, of romanticism. Yes, I would agree. And by romanticism, I don't just mean like Romantic. Valentine. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean like this kind of the idea. Romanticization of, of youth and, and of yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, success and of you know the family and, and not and kind of stuff. Not, yeah, and, yeah, totally. And not just that, but also this idea of doing like so if you're talking about how if I'm talking about how the people are trying to be good, like this 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 is a very rigid way of living, whereas the romantics would see a life like that as kind of like a wasted life and they'd want to be more kind of in touch with their feelings, kind of like you know, just doing what they want kind of thing and sort of like thinking Yeah in terms of themselves. So I don't know much about romanticism, but it sounds like you do. I mean, I wouldn't say... I mean, I think that's a very strong theme and, and it really matches up. I mean, 
particularly because the romanticism through the whole thing is of youth um, in particular. And, you know, there's that moment where the two young boys, I think one of them's French, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but they come out and they're like, oh, yeah, like, don't tell anyone we were here kind of thing. Yeah. And it's that romanticism of they're this, this sort of, you know, yearned after thing. Everyone wants to <laughs> Even the girls are like looking at them, uh-huh. and, you know, there's this whole thing. But they, that lifestyle that they're all desperate to, you know, all the people that work there are desperate to be part of and like feel like they're successful in. It's like the new age romantics. Yeah. The new kids on the block, they don't, they don't want that. They don't want this sort of office you know life which is the rat race you know it's and it's very much that whole thing of it's romanticized it's like it's exactly like the whole you know pete and trudy and and him talking about having kids yeah and that whole thing of it's so romanticized that whole idea oh you're gonna have a lovely child and you know you're gonna go on nice holidays together and the reality is as you know we know from a lot of people we know who have had babies that it's actually very (laughs) difficult yeah and it's very it's very hard and there's this whole thing of you know, you don't, it's a romanticised, but then the reality of it is exactly what sort of Don gets home and his kid's like, I don't want to eat this. <laughs> yeah. And then his other kid just like runs towards the dog rather than him. And it's just that whole thing of like yeah. that, that thing that he believed was going to happen wasn't true. It's not, yeah, it doesn't, yeah. It doesn't um, play out the way you expect it to. Exactly. Um, it's, it's in, you've mentioned a couple of scenes there that are really interesting. So the first one, I want to talk about is the scene where actually let's talk about the big let's just talk about the big scene in this whole thing so the scene with Jackie Onassis let's talk about that you didn't mention that but let's talk about that anyway because I think that's kind of I think that kind of nails my point anyway about like um, doing what you're told Mm. and um, trying to be good Mm. and trying to kind of think about think about like Jackie Onassis when you see so when you see that scene uh what you see is like don and betty they've just been trying to you know he can't get it out he can't get it out and they've been trying to get away trying to trying to get on with it um the whole time and um when they finish when 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 they give up um basically betty takes the the plate Oh, oh, she takes the phone. She's, yeah. Like Don's trying to order what he wants, and he order, he tries to order shrimp, which I kind of find find interesting because of the whole crustacean thing. But um, he tries to order the food, and then he, in the end, he ends up just giving the phone to Betty, and Betty kind of makes the order, and she mm. she gets everything, and he just goes along with it. And then they end up watching the TV, and we see this um, uh, what's it montage of everyone watching different uh, watching the show. But the whole point is, it's Valentine's night. They're all trying to get their end of it. They're all trying, trying to live up to this idea of Valentine's night, this thing that you're supposed to be doing at this time. Um, and you see, uh, the two people you see specifically are Sal and his what? wife. Wife, yeah. I mean, that didn't take him long, did it? Surprising. Uh, and uh, Joan and her new fella, who's kind of a bit smarmy and like. What's interesting about the two of them is like, obviously, um, what's his name? Sal says like, where, where is her husband when he's watching the thing? And he's like really into it. And um, uh, obviously Joan, all she cares about is what's on TV. She doesn't care about this guy that's trying to get off with her. And I think for me, the whole thing of Jackie Onassis showing her around is like she, to me, she and to me and, to, and I think to the audience as well that's watching, um, she is 
she's almost like she's played the game right and she's done the right thing and she's like you stood by her man and now this is her kind of prize mm. this whole sort of like place where she's showing everyone around and i think the reason we specifically see those two characters joan and sal is because they're both trying to do the right thing even though it's not necessarily what they want so um you know sal's obviously sal's not sal doesn't want that we know that um and joan even though this like you can kind of tell that she's still kind of in love with um with roger right because of the whole scene with them two that scene is so like they they are electric the whole point of mm. them the two of them two literally just standing right up close to each other until a duck comes into the room it's just really kind of it's potent you can just tell how 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 much they're into each other so i think that's kind of that scene is like a really cool kind of expression of that but what's really 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 interesting about it is right at the end is you get um what's his name pete, pete. and he's yeah. sat there he's not even watching the show and he's eating chocolate but he already has all that stuff he already has that perfect lifestyle mm. and he's just trying to kind of you know he wants more but he doesn't want he doesn't have to play that game well he it? doesn't he doesn't it's not even that it's that he doesn't appreciate what he has yeah, exactly that's the, you know, that's even better yeah it's yeah, kind totally. of he's he's just watching like cartoons i think it is or something <laughs> isn't it it's like he's almost got this like childish I mean, we see a lot of that with the chocolates and all that kind yeah, of yeah. stuff from him throughout this episode. He's he's probably not a he's not a romantic in this. He's the one that's sort of just a bit like, yeah. you know, it's, it's the real like even the even the rumor that's spreading about, um, you know, uh, where Peggy's been. Like oh, everyone yeah. else is like, oh, it's a love child <laughs> with Don, and he comes in, and he's like fat cow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? He's well, very like. So I think the thing with that is, for me, that's a, that's a good point that you make. But for me, um, when he does, the way I read it was when he says fat camp, it's like, it's almost like he's, like he knows the truth in his head, but he's just like lying to himself about it. He's like... No. You don't think that? No, I don't think he knows. I, I don't know, man. Maybe, 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 maybe you're right. I, I mean, I, don't, I feel like if he thought that... There's no way he'd say to Peggy in that scene, oh, do you want kids? If he'd thought that he'd, she'd just given birth to his kid. That's a good point. He just wouldn't. That's he wouldn't go point. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I think point. he's so oblivious. <laughs> but it's he's just got very, you know, I mean, it, he's horrible to his wife yeah. in this episode. Well, oh, I, hang on a second. So that's an interesting... You say he's horrible to her. Yeah. I don't know if he was horrible to her. I mean, he was... He, why do you say he's horrible to her? Okay, so here's the thing. I mean, so he comes home and he's like, oh, I got you these chocolates. And they're like chocolates from like a really sort of normal place. Do you know what I think is interesting about that? Go on. When he comes in with the bag yeah, yeah. and he takes the chocolates out of the bag. The scene before that, we see um, uh, Betty. Yeah, Betty. <laughs> um, Betty in her sort of like underwear. Oh, we got to talk about that at some point. Oh. <laughs> but she comes, but she so she comes out of that 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 um the the bathroom, and she's looking hot and everything. And she walks up to the bed and just like pulls the covers off the bed, like in really sort of unglamorous kind of way. And the way she pulls the covers off the bed is almost to me exactly the same way that um, Pete takes the chocolates mm. out of the bag. I find that really similar in a way. Yeah. I guess so. 
Um, but yeah, you were saying he's he's yeah. I mean, he takes so he takes them out, and he and she's like, oh, thank you. And then he's like, can I have one or whatever? <laughs> like he doesn't even let her have one first. <laughs> and then what he says is about oh, we sh- I should have got the ones that have the the card in that yeah, tell you what because he eats a coconut one, doesn't he? <laughs> it's like oh, I should have got the ones the card in. And it's like for him, you know, that's such a again, it's the whole thing of like. I should have known what I was getting into before yeah. I, before, you know, it, it's sort of like, or he wished he'd known what he was getting into before yeah. he'd had the chocolate. Cause yeah. I feel like for Pete, it's very much like he does. I mean, it's clearly cause she sort of starts going mental about the fact that, you know, they haven't had a kid and so-and-so is having a kid yeah. and like blah, blah, blah. And it's obviously him that doesn't want that. Yeah. Um, and I think he's sort of, he's sort of gone through his whole life. She is kind of like Don in that he's gone through his whole life and he's done what he's supposed to do. Mm. And he's got this, like you say, almost like perfect life. But he's not happy with it. He doesn't, he almost doesn't want it. Yeah. But he doesn't know how to how to not be that, if you see what I mean. Because yeah. that's how everyone is. That's yeah. the norm. I, th- I think um, one of the things, one of the other things that I think is a theme in this that kind of goes along with this idea of uh, obedience is another way I'd, mm. I'd put it. Um, is like what what are you being obedient to and the idea that um, there is this okay so it's a Lacanian term and it's the term is the big other and the, the bigger, big other yeah the big other so like the bigger you've got the little other which is like another person right but the big other is essentially it's I don't know society or culture or it's just the idea of how you measure up what you want to be based on other people right and i think that's what that's getting at when um when you see trudy crying and sort of like really upset about how all these other girls and all these other women are having children and she's just kind of like by herself and and yeah i i feel like that's that's a massive part of that um i like the way that scene ends as well where um so they eat so she's been crying and in order to make her this is why I was confused when you said he's been a bit of a dick to her because I don't think he was. I think he's been Pete and Pete is a dick. But um, actually, just to say, just like to go on a tangent for two seconds, I've just, it's made me realise how much Pete is like Matthew Weiner. And I think... Oh, are we calling Matthew Weiner a dick? Sorry, Matthew Weiner. <laughs> no, I'm not... I'm not no, because I think, I think this is the thing. I, I think Matthew Weiner is a... I hope he's a pretty pragmatic guy and he kind of think he understands like he's... As he's a real person, right? And I think Pete, as much as we all hate him, he's a pretty real person. He's very honest about his emotions and his feelings. I think that's another thing when we see him eating those chocolates at the end of the thing. He's very honest with himself. He's very honest with other people. Everyone knows what he wants and what he doesn't want. And that sends me back to um, another scene where, you know... How do I describe this scene? So they're all having this. They're having a meeting outside in the office, in the open plan office, because um, uh, Paul wants to see these young whippersnappers mm. coming to the office. And um, Pete comes up to the Pete comes up to the desk, and he's like, oh, "We could have had it in my desk. We could have had it in my office because my office is huge." And it kind of, you know, Pete's the one character that just like they're all they all do bad things, but this Pete is like blatant. He just like does whatever he wants. He's not obedient in the slightest. He just does what he wants. I think that's one of the... I, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe you could say that in this episode, but I don't know. I think... I actually think there's some really big... 
in this in this episode, I think there's a lot of mirroring going on in that the characters kind of so for example they mirror each other in the sense that last season Pete was going ape shit because he wanted this job and he'd yeah. do anything to get it and, and, he, yeah, kind of and stuff, he pretty right? much did yeah <laughs> and he pretty much did right and I get the impression and like I say you've seen the rest of it so I don't know what's going to happen next yeah. but um, you know Trudy when she spoke she spoke about a woman who was pregnant who she felt didn't deserve to be pregnant because she was old or because yeah. she was round or you know because she was making her daughter push the pram with her baby <laughs> and it all like all that she was listing well, all, these thing, reasons all these things that like yeah why you know it was unfair that this stranger effectively could have this opportunity and she couldn't yeah. and that's exactly what pete is like is he doesn't you know, he doesn't get why, well, for example, why, you know, Duck would get a job over him. Right. Because it's a complete stranger. And he, like, throws his toys out of the pram because he's like, why yeah. does this person deserve this more than I do? Exactly. I don't know them, yeah. but I think I deserve this. So, and I think you get that with, like, a lot of the characters, sort of, you see, um, you know, Betty sort of becoming more sexualized. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Don Don's sort of, like, by the end of it, he's going back... Because this is, like, the first episode, by the way, where Don isn't actively, like, fucking someone else. <laughs> well, um, this, so this is the point. So I think that's... Uh, so I've been watching the... Um, I was watching the episode with Matthew Weiner's um, commentary on it. Like. Oh, okay. Oh, well, that's cheating. <laughs> and he... Well, this is the thing. So he doesn't tell you everything, but he does lead you down a, a path. So he... He basically says, like, at this point in the episode, like, Don, if you th- if you w- think about what happened at the end of the last season, Don kind of obviously gets home and there's no one there and he's very sad. So in he was saying that he thinks that Don has basically done everything he can to keep his wife happy. And that's, what I'm, that's why I'm kind of getting at this thing of obedience. And so, yeah, well, sorry, what were you saying? You were saying about... Just like, I mean, I, I don't know, I get the impression that the characters are just kind of... They're, they're sort of echoing each other. Not mirroring's the wrong word. It's more like an echo, where yeah. it's like they're all kind of doing what each other have done in either previous episodes. I, I don't know, because it's like Peggy's like proper sort of licking Don's ass, isn't she? <laughs> yeah, basically, she, she is, yeah, yeah. She's, she's doing everything right. And in the same way in the past, like, you know, other people in that situation have been ass licking. She's become <laughs> the ass licker. And you can tell from that line where she says like, what's wrong with that sex cells and it's like hang on a minute peggy like that's not what you were all about last season well to be fair so this is like another thing of um romanticism maybe because in the in the initial scene in that meeting room um don basically says that he basically says i want you know the thing about the skirt and all the the inch the, the short skirt and all that kind of stuff and she says at the end she says um peggy says at the end of that thing that's she basically uh believes he's talking about sex cells mm. so she basically just saying back to him what he said that's what i mean about this idea of like you've got this this idea of what is right so you go for that thing that's what's right but because you know another theme's romanticism where you just think what you want on the fly and you do what you want and but Right, but and I'm just gonna check your your because Fola very kindly writes out like the order of things that happen, so I so I can remember. Yeah. But if I'm not mistaken, um, that scene happens as in 
the one where they they go in and they do the pitch. Yeah. Um, yes, it does. And then that's the evening he goes out with Betty, right? So after that meeting is the Valentine's Day evening where he goes. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So hear me Peggy. out. Hear me out. He goes out with Peggy. No, he doesn't. He goes out with Betty. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Jesus, why do I get... Oh, my God. That's what, and I'm so, I'm so smug about it as well. I know. <laughs> oh, God. Um, anyway, so so they have that meeting. And then the next time we see him, he's sitting down and there's that montage as she comes down the stairs yeah, like they're yeah, dreamy, they're yeah. romantic, right? And they have this dinner and it's they're all reconnecting and we're like, oh, they're back on track. Like, yeah. that's great. Yeah. And then you have that scene in the bedroom where she comes out and she looks fucking incredible. She's just like, hi. And then he's like, hi. And then just goes to the bathroom. Right? It's just like, what? You know, and then they both get into bed. They can't do it. They end up watching TV and eating avocado crab or whatever the hell it is that she orders, right? And then it's funny that the next day he comes in and it's almost like he's thought about it. And she isn't the thing. It's the kids. Like, if it weren't for the kids, would he be in that situation? That's a good point. Oh, wow. Do you see what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So it's really like, it's good, almost yeah. like he's he's gone in and he said, yeah, let's do this short skirt thing. Then wow. have his wife literally looking hot as fucking shit in a, like a really, negligee. Yeah. And then the next day he's like, that isn't it. Like, yeah, I, I actually, I'll, that didn't bother me. I'm not here for that. That's a really, really good, I never noticed that. Yeah. That's, that's so, really cool. So, you know, it's kind, of, it's kind of like, I think I think his, his sort of, mind is and heart is forever changing in terms of what he's trying to figure out what it is that he actually yeah, wants yeah. and that comes out through his you know creative leadership yeah um so that that um that scene actually that's that's really cool i didn't notice that i, I did notice a couple of things about that scene the when when you know the second scene when they're sort of doing the pitch again um what i what i the reason i I put him changing his mind more down to what he was reading. But it's probably not like I couldn't really work. But like they show him reading that meditations in, a, in an emergency book, mm. right? Um, and the book I was kind of reading up on it, and it's basically about this guy, basically talking about his identification, who he is, and like how he sort of feels it's a empty. Poet, isn't it? it? Yeah, it's a poem. yeah, it's a book of poems uh, about this guy and how he feels about losing his identity and, and and what he wants and not basically don um and but what's really what i really like about that scene is we get like four different taglines in it and the first two taglines are um uh, the the peggy yeah <laughs> the peggy says to don uh she's trying to sort of give him the tagline on on what they should put on the on the the airline advert and the first two are like, where are we? Or where are we? Yeah. And the other one was, you tell us. Um, oh, actually, no, sorry, sorry. It's, like, it's like, where are we going, aren't I, we? Yeah, where are we going? Where are you going? Where are you going? That's he, a, and he's like, and he's like, and you need to underline the you, because it's like, yeah. where are you going? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, like, yeah, Where are you going? <laughs> where, where, exactly, exactly. Where are you going? And uh, something like, you tell us. And that so that's in the that's in the very first scene, sorry. And in that second scene, the the four that we get are, yeah, where are you going? And the other one is come away with us. Mm. So it's kind of like the first, and I think the reason he, so I think the 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 metaphorical reason he says you could put the accent on the you. I think that's because it's very, it's almost like you could say that in a very. Um, accusatory way so like where are you going like mm. you know as if, as if someone's trying to escape 
and the other one is like come away with us as if like you're sort of like trying to drag people into so this is mm. the thing about the big other right so it's like this trying to drag people into the same sort of mindset um and the the second two things that she comes up with are um welcome back daddy mm-hmm. and there's like a a, a a question mark on it um and that's kind of to me it's kind of like it's almost it's almost like assuming that daddy wants to come back <laughs> can I just say as well when she's saying all this daddy stuff to, to Don it just makes me feel uncomfortable it's a bit weird isn't it I had the same thing I was like that I just I have a whole weird thing about that that whole like grown up women saying the word daddy like it just I don't know there's just something weird about it yeah um, and then um, but the thing that they land on the final thing they land on is what did you bring me and it's very much a separation <laughs> well yeah what did you bring me daddy but it's very much a separation of you and me or, you know, it's kind of, I feel like the other taglines were very much about, you know, trying to please someone or trying to keep a bunch of people happy. Whereas the, the very last one was very much kind of you and me, a total sort of like separation of the mm. two and sort of like standing up for yourself sort of thing and just doing whatever it is you want to do in the moment. And what's really interesting about that is like the next scene we see Peggy go into her office and she's kind of like, you know, like you say, she's been arse licking Don the whole episode. And because of that, not to say that that's wrong, like she she could, she picked her moment, she knows what she wants to do. But because of that, she's now been sort of like abandoned by Joan and the women and the and the, the secretaries. And that's why she has the big sort of... Photocopy. Photocopy oh. in her room, yeah. And, and, and interesting about that photocopy as well. Let's <laughs> so. talk about the photocopy. <laughs> So, the, so this is another thing. Like, and so the photocopy machine is could basically uh, replace all those women, right? All those uh, secretaries, and the the photocopy machine is a machine, mm. and it's like you know that thing of like I'm saying where obedience and just doing what you're told. That's essentially what a photoc- photocopier does. It just does what it's told, and I think that's kind of the. Um, that's that's the little link there between the two, and that's why I was saying, you know, the the delivery man is yeah. very obedient. Mm. He's like saying, I'll, "I can move this wherever you want me to move it." He's just being very accommodating and so very helpful. But it's isn't that whole photocopier is interesting because it's like they basically have this new modern technology that's going to help them, you know, but they don't know where to put it and they don't want to piss off anyone because. You know, they don't want to put it in the break room because yeah. that's where the women go yeah. to cry. Um, <laughs> you know, they don't want to put it in anyone's office. She doesn't want to have it in the hall. It feels like she's almost, is is that whole thing of like, there is this new wave of modernism coming. There is this oh, new yeah, idea yeah, of that coming, yeah, yeah. but they don't really know where to put it. Yeah, that's definitely. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, it, and, and I just love the guy who's photocopying his face. <laughs> I mean, that's just me all over. That's what you do, right? That's, that's what you do. Everyone would do that. Um, should we talk about um, Betty's little um, flirtation? Yes. Let's, well, let's, do you know what? Can we, let's link this up, right? Okay. Let's go back in time to when she meets her model. Oh, okay. Come sex okay, yeah, worker. Yeah, that, yeah. Come escort yeah. friend. And there's that whole thing because there's, she's, she's so innocent in that scene, isn't she? Because she doesn't catch on at all. Yeah. Because um, she automatically assumes it's like a, a wedding ring or an engagement ring or something. Yeah. 
Um, I love how she lies about. There's a lot of there's a lot of lying in this episode as well, by the way. And I love how she lies about how she how much she likes it. And then when she's talking to her friend in the next scene, she's kind of like, it's horrible. Well, that's just girls, though. That's just what girls are like. Um, <laughs> go around someone's house, you're like, wow, it's so nice. And then you come home and you're like, oh, God, I just went around someone's house. It's so gross. Um, yeah, I mean, she, she's sort of like, but I think there's a there's a sort of weird smugness about her, isn't there? Oh, yeah. Where it's kind of like she's like to her friend... Mm, you know and she's doing this and like I you know Dom bought me a fur coat and all that kind of stuff well so I can't remember where that comes in it now so that comes after the thing right that that comes after the the date yeah and uh, I wrote something on that I was saying like how in that date there or in the whole yeah so that, that it comes after that whole sort of um montage in that montage we see how these people are trying to live up to this um live up to what the the, the the Kennedys live like and they're, sort of, they're trying to get that prize. Yeah. And then, you know, the next scene we see Francine literally just like amazed at everything that Betty does and is just kind of like doing exactly the same thing. Just kind of like idolising everything Betty says and Betty's kind of like, yeah, I'm just, you know, she's very much kind of like, look at me, aren't I cool sort of thing. Even the fact that she's giving away, they're giving away clothes to Francine. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, I think it's really cool. Sorry, I... I mean, no, it's, it's, I mean, it's interesting because it's like, obviously, the thing that, you know, in modern society, if that conversation was going to take place, first thing Betty would say would be like, I'm like, oh my God, you know, my husband couldn't get it up last night on <laughs> Valentine's Day, blah, 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 blah. But of course, she's got to keep this image of her being this, like, perfect woman mm-hmm. um so she uses her friend coming over as an excuse to sort of almost bash her her former roommate who yeah. was once who was once on the same playing field that she was but then she almost what's funny is by the end she's almost like adopting those very same techniques yeah. to avoid paying the mechanic well so six more dollars so it's weird because she kind of actually um sort of points that out herself when she's talking to Francine she's like you know I could have been yeah she says the thing about the fur coat don't bought me a fur coat and it's kind of like yeah they kind of like pointing to the fact that she could be you know this lady of the night or whatever but what I find interesting about the two of them two um Juanita her name is isn't it um and um and Betty is that Betty that what something that um Juanita says to her is that she she always, she always knew, she always knew that that's what, that she, she always knew that Betty wanted kids, mm. and it's interesting that Juanita is now a call girl, and she doesn't really, she's just doing what she wants basically, and Betty seems to have done all of this stuff to get the lifestyle that she's got, um, and I think the fact that Juanita's just doing what she wants is kind of an interesting point of not having a, an end goal and just kind of living. I'm not saying, yeah, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's good. I'm just like, I'm just saying the way that Juanita lives her, her life is just very much um, for the thrill of living. Yeah. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? I mean, I think there's a, there's an element of, here's the thing is when you're in those conversations, it's almost an element of, um, you should have a family or you should have this. So what yeah. So what Juanita is doing is very outrageous in yeah. many respects. 
Yeah. But actually, it's a really, it's, I mean, it's worked out well for us. She's got a massive rock on her finger. She seems to have an all right time of it. She's out on Valentine's Day at the same place yeah. that Betty exactly and Don, the they've place, got yeah. the same place. Yeah. They're just completely different kinds of women. Um, in that one has, like, like you say, had to sort of keep a kind of like, you know, absent husband and keep his home and keep his family and work yeah. for it in a different way. It's just a diff- it's the same, it's practically the same thing, isn't yeah. it? They've just done it in different ways. Like one, one um, paid for her lifestyle by being the loyal wife and performing wifely duties and blah, blah, blah. And the other one is just great in bed. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> clearly is good company for the older gentleman. Yes. And, you know, but they've, they've, they've eventually found themselves in the same place. So, you know, it is one of those where I think maybe Bessie is a little bit like, did I really need to go through all this crap? <laughs> yeah, to totally. get yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's very true. Um, and it, I feel like at the end of this, this, this show, so we've talked about how I think, I personally think that the that a lot of this episode is about obedience and how people are trying to be obedient, right? And that kind of has some sort of control elements to it. So, like, you're trying to control your environment by being obedient. It doesn't really work because you end up sort of, you know, like Don, kind of being put upon or sort of, like, you know, walked all over or whatever. Um, and what I like about the end of this, uh, what I found in the end of this episode was... We see all these things with... So we see... The first thing we see is we see Don arrive home um, and he says to Carla, do you want me to take you? you Mm. Actually, no, before before that even, we see um, Don getting into the um, lift. Oh, yeah, with the lady. With the lady, yeah. Yeah. And that seems amazing because I think it kind of... it kind of talks about this episode, but it also kind of reminds me of the very first episode in the show mm. when Peggy got into the lift. And they're and talking the, and, and they're, they're being t- really rude, yeah. yeah. And it was kind of like, it was that whole, it was, a, it was almost the flip side of the scene when Peggy goes into her office and sees the um, uh, the, the photocopier in there and she's like pr- feeling pretty put upon. I feel like this was what we're seeing with Don in the in the in the elevator with this lady is almost like Don as a protector mm. and kind of he's not protecting Peggy specifically in that thing but she because she's been so loyal to him that's basically what she's got if that makes sense and mm. she's got that kind of the way he's protected that old lady is she old? I mean, she's not that old. <laughs> I wouldn't call her an old lady. She's a, a mature, mature woman. Mature, mature, mature woman. The way he's protected that mature woman is kind of the way he's going to protect her in the future or what she's kind of, what she has actually got from her loyalty, if that makes any sense. And, um, but also what I got from that um, was this idea of protection and how Don can protect um, and, and he is a good protector in some circumstances until he goes home and then offers Carla the ride to the station after he's like poured himself a drink and she's like, uh, I'd rather not. Yeah. Um, but also within that scene, you see you talking about how um, Bobby is trying to eat the food and doesn't really want to eat it. Mm-hmm. But he basically says that oh, I don't want to eat it. He's really sad. And like, and like Don takes pity of him and like eats the food himself. Uh, it's another protection thing but this what I'm saying is basically it's this idea of not being good but being vulnerable 
and being sort of using that vulnerability as a way of getting what you want. So that's fascinating. I would never say that about the scene. I mean, I think if anything, that's a sequence of Don trying to protect himself. Okay. So in the lift, for example, yeah. I don't even think it's about the woman. I no, think it's that. about the younger man. Okay. And I think he puts him in his place because we've just had a whole like romanticism. Youth is great. Youth is this. Yeah. But youth are disrespectful. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I, I get that, yeah. I then he that. gets home. Then he's got his like whiny little brat of a kid. <laughs> and he hasn't got anyone to make him food, by the way. Yeah. So he just eats his... He, he takes the leftovers. He takes what's left, <laughs> right? He doesn't... He hasn't got his own... She hasn't... You know, Carla hasn't prepared him any food. Bessie yeah. hasn't prepared him any food. True, he he true. gets the scraps yeah, yeah, yeah. that the kid doesn't want. Mm-hmm. And then it's the same as, you know, when the daughter comes home, it's like that she runs to the dog yeah, yeah, and like, totally. Polly, the dog, yeah. to the do- which I would totally do as well because Polly's adorable. But but it- what, what I think about that, because I, I know it's the same thing, but like what, when when she runs up to the dog, the first thing Don does is like, he says something he about says, the I'm fact- here too. He says, I'm here too. Yeah. And then he's, he's very sort of expressive about how he feels about everyone kind of, about Betty coming home late. And, you know, he's not, that's what I mean about the the vulnerability. He's kind of like sh- showing some, as much as Don can show vulnerability, he's kind of like putting it out there. And the reason, the only reason I, I bring all this in, like this idea of vulnerability in there, is obviously because of the way Betty kind of gets that guy to, you know, mm. fix her car. She uses her, she weaponizes her vulnerability to get what she wants. Or, or she weaponizes her sexuality. Or sexuality. Depending yeah. on how you look at it. And that's that's the thing. And I think vulnerability is a really interesting sort of buzzword at the minute. Like it seems to suddenly be everywhere. Like no <laughs> one was using it six months ago and now everyone's saying, Oh, I you know, I need to be able to be vulnerable and I need to be able to be this. And I think I think there's a big difference between vulnerability mm. and disappointment. Right. Okay. What do you mean? Well I think Don isn't vulnerable. I think he's disappointed. Oh, okay. I see what you mean. I think he's disappointed that, you know, there's these romantic youth who are going to come in, save the company and bring it up to like... You think he's sulking. He comes home and it's like, it's disappointment because he's just like, he's almost like disappointed with his kid because his kids come home and he's just like (laughs) miserably staring at him and like whining like a little (laughs) biatch, you know. And then, you know, his lovely daughter. And and I I feel like he has a, a sort of... He's definitely, she's going to be a daddy's girl type situation. And he wants that. Okay. And it's like, she's more interested in the dog. And it's kind of like, yeah, there's a little bit of he's disappointed rather than being vulnerable, in my opinion. Okay, okay. Um, So it's interesting you mentioned the daughter because the last thing we see, basically, well, the last, kind of the last thing we see in that scene anyway, is the two of them watching her ballet ballet ballet. moves. Her expressionist, like so. Yeah. I, I, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm being, maybe I'm saying it wrong when I say vulnerability. Maybe it's more about expression and expressing how you feel about stuff. So he's not necessarily vulnerable, but he is saying, "I'm sad that you went to the dog," or "I'm sad." Oh know? yeah, and I, I think you know, disappointment is a form of sadness in some way. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and I think you get, I think you get that. I mean, exactly because of what happens next, right? Because he's... This this idea of the romantic family and the perfect home life and all that kind of stuff is not there. It's not true. And it's like, that's the thing that sort of, I guess, 
he's been obedient and he's been hoping that that'll change yeah. that and make it better and make it and it hasn't. No. So then, and I, I don't know who he's writing to. Yeah. I'm, my money's on Rachel. Right, okay. <laughs> don't look at me. I'm not, I'm not giving My money's on Rachel. Um, but it's that whole thing of, of, I think there's an element of vulnerability of him there. Right, I think, okay. I think we see Don's vulnerability there because he... Because he's not being seen, first of all, the way that he wants to be seen. Right. And second of all, because he, he does have a sort of narcissistic tendency and yeah. a need to be, to be the, wanted and yeah. needed. And, and at the moment, he's not getting that at home. Like, the the girl prefers the bloody dog. Yeah, totally. Do you know what I mean? Well, not even that. Even the fact that um, he's done all this stuff um, for Betty. Well, it's interesting. You really kind of threw off with that fact that he doesn't want the sex. And like he really wants, what he's decided is he wants his daughter's love, and it's interesting. I guess it does work in the final, in that final scene where she goes straight to the dog. It's just kind of like even that's not he's not even getting that. I mean, if and you he's think being about good, and he's trying. Think about that whole thing where we just talked about the tag taglines, you know, and the last one they come up with that he settles on is. What did you bring me? Hmm. And she comes in and she doesn't ask him. Where's he? It's that whole thing of he's been on a journey, he's been away. And yeah. she comes home and she isn't like, What did you bring me? Or she isn't like, Welcome home, daddy, or any of those things. She's like, She's like Polly, the yeah. dog. Wow. You know, and I think it's that, and that's the fabrication of, of the, you know, adver- advertisement. And, and, you know, it's that whole thing of that's the feeling that he wants to invoke in people, even though it's not true. And I think that's the sad truth of it is yeah. he wants people to think oh yeah you know if I go away my daughter's gonna when I get back my daughter's gonna be so happy to see me and stuff yeah. like that and the truth is yeah they probably will be but not as much as you want them to you're not you're never the heart and soul of them do you know what I mean yeah, I think yeah, yeah. he sort of builds these advertisements with and you know these ideas with the thinking yeah they're really gonna make people feel and then they do make people feel mm. but then the reality is disappointing yeah yeah that's that's why I choose the word disappointment because I think it's you're selling he sold himself on this dream of you know being gone and then returning and then being special and being important and, yeah. and he's not okay that's pretty cool um, so he goes off to find someone who yes. will make him feel important again so is, we might as well talk about that there's not much to say about it because we don't know anything yet well you don't know anything um, um, but one of the things I do like about it is it, it brings me back to that idea of the big other again where we don't actually know who that is but we know it's kind of important to him and it's kind of like almost like this thing hanging this person hanging over him whoever it might be that's my interpretation of it that's kind of like it might be a stretch but um, so he so I mean the reason I go for Rachel mm. is because I mean what's the what's the book called again uh, meditations in an emergency meditations in an emergency and that's Dom, Dom's having his, his emergency mm-hmm. but he, he's looking for someone who's like him Yeah. and it's like Rachel is an independent she's a businesswoman she's all these things mm-hmm. but you know he knows that she's fucked up too mm-hmm. so I think he's finding he wants to find himself in her okay I don't know. Maybe that's bullshit. I can't say anything. Oh, fucking <laughs> Do we find out in the next episode at least? Uh, I can't remember. Um, ah. <laughs> um, we we should kind of touch on some things that we haven't really talked about. We, All right, we, let's we, do it. We didn't talk about the fact that Don, 
the first time we see Don in this. Well, we didn't talk about the opening where everyone's kind of like getting ready and putting their best selves well, I on. Sort of, yeah, I sort of mentioned it in that, in that I thought it was about youth and beauty and it's about makeup, isn't it? The well, I, I thought it was more kind of, yeah, again, it's just them sort of presenting this perfect sort of like, you know, um, visage or whatever, this kind of like perfect idea of themselves being good again, like... Um, and yeah, um, we didn't talk about Betty and her friend um, as they as as they walk around with the horse thing, which is kind of to me it was like yeah. horses, like you know, <laughs> there's a, this whole thing with horses. Do you in think the there's show. something in it? Oh god, yeah, like the whole remember the horseshoe. Oh my god! <laughs> Don't get me started. Don't get started on the fucking horseshoe again. It's all about the horseshoe, man. And the cr- and the crustaceans and the crustaceans and the triangles. <laughs> the triangles. It's all. It's all oh. the can. It's all the can, right? Um, so there's not much else to say. I mean, we could talk about how. Um, I guess that kind of like touches on all this other stuff, like the thing about them. They're almost like kids in this scene, aren't they? Where they're kind of, you know, gossiping about the teacher and, mm. and the kid and that, that guy gets like told off and all that kind of stuff it's all very childish and stuff um i mean there's other things in there but we won't need to go into those uh we don't really talk about the meeting that they have so that we, we i mean we talked about it a bit but we didn't go into it much i think that meeting is kind of for me is like the best example of the big other so it's like they're all in this meeting they're all trying to be really good like you know um Ken wants to eat some food, but he's not going to eat anything because he's yeah. like, I don't want to eat anything because I don't want to get in trouble. And then the, um, what's his name? Freddie Freddy. Lumsden wants to go to... Must be drunk. Wants to be drunk. And like, but they're also like trying their hardest to be good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we see Peggy go out to, <laughs> we see Peggy go out to Lois. Um, and then sort of like, they do this weird thing where Peggy, when Lois says something about Don going to see Pinocchio. Yeah, I actually did want to raise that, you know, because that was weird. <laughs> and I mean, I'm assuming she was making some sort of catty remark <laughs> because I looked it up and right. Pinocchio didn't come out around then. So oh, did it not? No, it didn't. Oh, okay. So, I mean, I just, I was sort of like, because I was a bit like, I mean, it does feel like a bit of a weird thing for her to say. I thought that line was really odd. Well, to me, uh, I guess, it, I, to me, I just assumed it was something to do with lying. Because there's, there's lots of lying in this episode. I don't think we really talked about it that much. But loads of people sort of, like, just not blatantly lying, but just kind of, like, telling half-truths and sort of getting away with stuff, as opposed to being good and sort of being obedient and yeah. stuff, which I find really interesting. But, yeah, I <laughs> I just like that, Pinocchio. And just the way that um, Lois is kind of... Lois is in this episode tries to be so kind of pleasing to she's the whole time she's talking to me I don't think she is trying to insinuate anything at all I think she's trying to just get through the day I think like Lois you can see she's just like this nice she's trying to be as innocent as she possibly can and um yeah (laughs) Peggy just treats her like crap um what's really interesting about her well well Don um, Lois and Peggy is how I don't know how Lois has basically become the new Peggy. It's kind of I just found that kind of kind of cool. Kind of, like you were talking about echoes and stuff. And yeah, like, there's loads and loads of echoes. Oh, there's tons of echoes. Yeah, I mean there's that whole thing about <laughs> I mean Joan establishes herself over her, doesn't she? Because she gives a shit for crying in the break room yeah, after yeah, that yeah. exchange with Peggy. That's what I mean. She's like she, again. She kind of so I think that. 
that um, scene where she's doing that is really kind of a really good example of someone trying to be good and just not getting the re- the, the the reward for it. Mm. And like, as much as, you know, Joan is on her side because she kind of like puts the thing in, in Peggy's um, office, she still doesn't give um, Lois that kind of you know, that reassurance that it's okay and all this kind of stuff. And she's looking out for her, like, like as the big other would, I guess. But she but she never kind of says to her, you know, it's okay, I'll look after you and all this kind of stuff. And I think that's kind of... But there's maybe maybe there's a thing in there that's like, oh, maybe it's a... Maybe it is a... Th- well, it's not really. It's like the difference between words and actions. I don't know, maybe that's a, there's a philosopher that talks about that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't know. know. <laughs> but anyway, it's a whole, there's a whole thing. And let me say it's lying, but it's not quite lying. It's yeah. like, I'm saying one thing, yeah. but I'm doing another. And that's a really good example of that because, you know, Joan is saying, oh, you have to respect Miss Olsen and all this kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. But then she puts the photocopier in her office. Yeah. And it's like that whole thing of, of appearances, like, saying and that whole sort of dispute about hiring the young people yeah and it's like there's a whole triangle there where it's like duck saying one thing and then roger's approaching it in a different way (laughs) and it's like really yeah that's what i mean by the line and stuff exactly it's there's a whole thing but the way that they what they actually want to come out of it versus what they're saying is sort of quite often you know not not matched yeah it doesn't go together and even even on the scale of like you know Peggy just saying, oh, when Pete asks her, oh, do you want kids? And she's like, oh, someday. <laughs> it's like she's already had a kid. Yes. Yeah. Wow. That's, yeah, that's pretty nuts. Um, yeah, she totally lies about that. That's, what did, I wrote something about that, actually. Um, yeah, that's it. So it starts off, that's that meeting where Pete kind of, where, she, where Pete asks Peggy if she wants kids. It kind of starts off where we see a picture of uh, Trudy. Mm-hmm. And then it sort of moves over to um to peggy and kind of i think you're you're right where it's kind of talking about the lying and the kind of the fact that there's half truths in there um one thing we haven't talked about well actually is a really big part of this episode that we haven't even mentioned is you know i keep talking about this this idea of being good and sort of like yeah. trying to do the right thing so i think the best example of that in the whole thing is paul right so when yeah. Don Dun and um, and Roger are talking, Roger says, I got Paul to write this thing and give me this list of names. He's basically signed his own death warrant. Oh, I know. <laughs> oh, poor the- Paul. <laughs> I kind of love Paul. <laughs> for the rest of the episode, it's just Paul just freaking out. Yeah. Like, all these people are coming in like take his job, basically. Basically because he was trying to do the right thing. He was trying to be loyal. So to- dopey, isn't he? Oh, bless him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's really cool um is there anything else we need to is there anything else that you remember from this episode that you want to talk about uh, not really i think i i think i've said all i need to say about most things uh there's one more scene the scene with um sally and betty and Sally is basically trying to. So this is another thing about the Big Other that I was trying to. This is like a good oh, example this of the Big the, Other when she wants to learn to horse ride. Yeah, and yeah. the only reason she wants to horse ride is because her mum horse rides. So it's kind of like she's trying to do the right thing. She's trying to do. Um, it's, it's not something that she's thought about. It's just she's just trying to do what her mum does. Mm. And they kind of mention this. Um, they kind of mention this girl in um, the film Gone with the Wind. 
okay. So there's, there's a girl in Gone with the Wind, and she's in it for two seconds, and she falls off a horse and dies, right? And they say, oh like... <laughs> yeah, spoilers for Gone with the Wind. Um, and they kind of mention this girl. And so I looked up this girl, and she was only in, like, two films. I think she... No, she was oh, in... Wait, did she die in real life? No, no, no. She she, she lived in real life. Okay, but fine. She, but she, was <laughs> in, she, was, <laughs> she was in Gone with the Wind, and she was also the voice of um, Bambi, or Bambi's mum or something. In, what? Yeah, I know. Uh, oh, in, I guess, yeah. Bambi does talk, doesn't she? Um, I, he... I think maybe it was a mother. She was in Bambi the film anyway. I, I don't know what. what Cause it, no, 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 because Bambi does talk because there's a one point where Thumper's teaching Bambi to say flower and he oh, goes, really? flower. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, maybe she, See, I can remember stuff from 16 <laughs> years ago. Um, I've never seen that film. Anyway, what, what kind of got me about that was um, this girl obviously had got into the movie business and could have been huge. But literally just walked away from it all because mm. she was doing what her parents wanted to do. She wasn't doing what she wanted to do. Again, it's another that that kind of like the theme of like being good and sort of like doing what you want versus doing what the big other wants. Um, so yeah, I think that's it. I don't right. think there's anything else we need to. T- this film was about the big other, and what did you say it was about? I can't remember. Youth. Yes, you. <laughs> I was. I thought that was a trick question. Then I was like, "Did I say something that was really awesome that I just don't remember?" Um, and I think that's it. I don't think there's anything else we need to talk about. All right. Wow. How long was that? That was an hour. Oh, see, guys, we're getting we're getting better at we're this. Better. You know, by series seven, will be great. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening to our season two, episode one podcast um and yeah uh if you want to get in touch with us has anyone got in touch with us yet um we've got a couple of um mentions on twitter we did but we did well <laughs> nothing major tell me. well nothing major it's just people saying they're like you know people liking tweets and stuff so that's nice thank that's you that's nice well thank More you of that. very much for your support yeah we really appreciate it well Fola really appreciates it i clearly don't <laughs> look at the twitter um and i really should and i have to Take my hat off to Frodo because he does 99% of the work <laughs> on this podcast. So, you know, but if you did want to get in touch with us, you can follow us on Twitter at breakdown underscore old, or you can email us on oldfashioned.breakdown at gmail.com. So all that's left to say is... Well, what well, before I do this, oh. I just want to say we're going to, we're going to, I want to talk about one last thing, but I'm going to, we're going to finish the show now. And then after that, we can have a look, you, me and Helen are going to have a little bit of a chat about one thing that she brought up ages ago that we didn't really talk about enough. Apparently we have unfinished business. Whether it's related to this podcast or not, I don't know. <laughs> I, but... probably, I, probably should have told, I probably should have told you this before. Okay. But you, you, you brought it up, so it's fine. Um, anyway, don't forget everyone, Sopranos is even better.
<laughs> right, so, the thing. Okay, is it about social media? No, it's not about social media. It's about the fact... You know what you talked about in the last episode? We talked about desire and... and Was it even the last episode? It might have been the... I think it was, yeah. So we talked about desire. Well, mm. we talked about want and need and desire. Yes, and yeah, that. that was the last episode. And it's really weird that we've kind of done like 13, 14, how many episodes? It was 17 episodes of this show that we've done. And we've never really talked about that. And I think that's like the most important part of the show. <laughs> I, I, I think like as much as, like I, I keep saying that I don't really know what the first episode is about. I literally think that's probably it. Like I think that's the whole thing is because there's this thing. So there's a couple of, the reason I wanted to bring it up is there's this thing called um, Object R, right? Did I tell you about this? No. Okay. So this is a thing called Object R and it basically is, it's this idea of a lack, this kind of idea that we're we, not recording now, are we? We are recording. Oh, we are. We're still recording. <laughs> we're, okay. we're still recording. Yeah. Um, this is the thing I, I really should have told you we were going to talk about. It. So there's this thing called Object R, right? And um, the best way to describe it is um, there's this um, professor that I was I can't remember his name, but there's a professor in this podcast that I to, this Y Theory podcast that I listen to, and he talks about how when you buy a, a, an iPad. Mm-hmm. You're not really buying the phone or you're not really buying the iPad. You're not buying the functionality of the iPad. What you're really buying is the box. You're just buying... Yeah. I think we did mention this. Yeah, we did. This is a yeah. like, off-air we kind of talked about this. And I think that's kind of what Don has an issue with is that he's kind of... He's looking for these things. Like he's looking for the phone or the kind of... He's looking for the phone to kind of complete his life in a way. Um, and he doesn't really get the fact that really what it is is about this ongoing thing of like trying to just move forward and do things in your life and that's kind of the driving force of what he should be finding um, uh, satisfaction in yeah that's advertising yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what I mean like I don't think we've, we haven't actually said it in that kind of specific thing because I, I feel like for me like I'm always kind of like trying to work out what this show's about and that's kind of basically it it's like this idea that there's this we're all striving for this thing and we're all being told that it's this thing that's going to make your life better and so we had that conversation off air yeah. last week where we were talking about I think Fola came around to pick up the microphone or something and we ended up having a, a sort of chat about how I had too much shit, which I do. Um, and, you know, we. I think Fola brought up that, you know, when we were at work 100 years ago, um, that people used to get packages delivered every day to work. Yeah. And you'd see them, like, ripping over the, the open the packages. And you've never been a particularly materialistic person. No. Um, you know, but I am. I'm quite a materialistic person. And the thought process goes through your head so for me, it might be, oh, I'm going to buy that dress. Because if I go out wearing that dress, I might meet the love of my life. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's how that's how it all works. How and I that's how, yeah. with Don especially, I think he he sees what, he, he recognises what he wants and then he puts it in the advert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it's not necessarily what he needs. No. Um, and that's, but that's good selling because it makes you, because... Adverts, I mean, if you think how much they've shaped our society in terms of, you know, fast fashion as a thing 
is totally an invention of advertisers. I don't know what fast fashion is. So fast fashion is the fact that, you know, exactly what we were talking about. Instead of having a wardrobe with sort of three nice dresses, a skirt, mm. a pair of trousers, a pair of jeans and a few tops, mm. right? Which is when I was a child, I could fit all my clothes in one wardrobe. <laughs> yeah. Now I have three wardrobes of clothes <laughs> and probably a, like two chests of drawers, right? And fast fashion, and I actually just putting out there now I actually buy most of my clothes second hand now because I do care about the environment and I don't use fast fashion but fast fashion is basically um, they particularly use sort of social media it's an actual thing so this is a brand no no it's a it's a it's a it's a like a kind of commercial movement basically it's places okay. like misguided boohoo these are big like female brands where they basically produce so say they see Kim Kardashian or whoever wearing an outfit somewhere they will then see that outfit they will then copy it get it manufactured very cheaply and have it in their in their on their store or in their wherever in their shops literally a week and a half later oh i see i see so it's um, like a direct kind of so then what happens is they'll you know people will rush to buy it because they've just seen kim kardashian wearing it then they'll wear it for two weeks but then by then there'll be a new trend yeah. so they'll start buying that and what it does is it encourages people to buy lots more but much cheaper right so, you know, instead of going, instead of buying, like, thinking, oh, I really want that beautiful dress and, like, coveting after it and lusting after it and yeah. then, like, finally achieving something by buying it. Instead, you're like, right, well, I'll buy a £10 top this week, but then two weeks later, I'll buy another 10 It's like Primark is a <laughs> yeah. classic model of it as well. Primark, like, yeah. People buy a lot of shit for cheap <laughs> because it's cheap yeah. and because, you know, they can replace it very, very easily. Mm. Um, and as a movement, that, that whole thing is driven on... You know, you want to be like this person or you have to keep up with trends otherwise you're uncool or, you know, this is what people on Instagram are doing and if you're not doing that, then you don't belong. And it's such a powerful thing. And it's, I mean, iPhones are exactly the same. Someone told me, and I don't know if this is true, but, you know, that they could create an iPhone that had like a two week long battery life and would last a lot longer and be more durable and could last someone for years but they're not going to manufacture that because they want you to keep buying iPhones exactly so it's like they're they're selling you this flawed product instead of creating one that would be really good it's like right well we need to keep continuing people to make money yep and that's exactly what object are is and and the weird thing is object are is it's not the thing it's not the object are doesn't exist it's not something that you can actually grab onto it's just something that it's like anything that's like you fetishize or you kind of you kind of like cover but when you get it there's nothing you can actually do with it it's just it's more the it's more the fantasy of getting that thing it's status. It's yeah. Well, it's fantasy. not even sta- it's not even status. It's more. It's literally the this idea of having the thing, like something for your brain to fixate on, while you go through your day. It kind it, it kind of gives you an idea of who you are. It gives you an identity. It makes yeah. you see where you belong within the whole thing that we live in. I mean, it, that it is weird, isn't it? I mean, the one that gets me is is when you walk down the road and you're you know you walk past like a footlocker or whatever the fancy shoe shops are called now <laughs> and there's like blokes like camped outside there because they're waiting for like the next yeah. nike trainers or yeah. whatever to come out and yeah. i've got a friend who collects trainers and it's like and he's just got a house full of trainers but he doesn't wear any of them. <laughs> no. And you're just like, why do you have these? Oh, I just like having them. Yeah. I've got this collection and collect them. It's a thing. And yeah. it's like, but why do we do that? Because, you know, it's such a... But I, I, I believe that you're right. It's something, it's a distraction. It's, yeah. 
it when you achieve that that's a way of achieving something as well like I think achievement is such a you know we're taught that we should constantly be striving for to be successful and to yep. achieve yep. to make more money or whatever it is yep. like and those are easy wins to do those things yeah. like I look great because I spent 20 pounds on a fast fashion website getting this gorgeous dress I'm going to go out now and there's so much possibility attached to it but with an, in actuality, you'll probably just go to the pub. No one will even com- comment on your dress. And Aww. then you'll go home and then you, you know, you feel, but you'll lust after another dress because you think that wasn't the right dress. It's the next dress or it's the next thing. Yeah. Because then that gives you, it also, I think it gives you a reason to be, it feels like progress. It feels like you're yeah, achieving exactly, things. exactly. Yeah. It's that's, it's all kind of there in the show and it's all kind of. Definitely. It's all basically what Dunn's I mean you know in, for, in the miserable. episode we've just watched it's like Betty's achieved something because she saved six dollars on her mechanic bill yeah, yeah, yeah. but at what cost yeah. is the is the bigger question and I think that's also covered in Mad Men quite a lot yeah. is is at what cost of these things that we cover and that we want and that we desire that don't mean anything that don't well the thing is they don't mean anything at the time but the thing is they have a lot of them will have big ramifications so I mean I don't know what's going to happen with Betty, but she's discovered something now. Hmm. She probably got a little bit of a kick out of that, and she'll probably want to keep, you know, using her feminine charms potentially. True. But I mean, she's quite lucky. I mean, she was on a dark roadside <laughs> with like yeah. some mechanics she didn't even know. And I, I actually was, I didn't know how that was going to go. Like I watched that and I felt quite uncomfortable because I was like, is she? She's quite vulnerable. Proposed? She is quite vulnerable, but I don't think she saw that. No. Um, but you know, I, I was sort of like, is she actually proposing sex at this point? Well, to pay a six dollar bill. She clearly. Well, I think she clearly knew what she was doing. Mm. But that's what I'm saying about the vulnerability. How did she know she was going to get away with it? Apart from the fact that people just don't hurt people. Do you know what I mean? I figure she figured. What did she have to lose? Well, actually. Uh, yeah. she could have more to lose than she thinks yeah well yeah. But that's the thing is it's what's the cost what's it i mean yeah in that that time it worked out but it's like you know that doesn't mean that every time it's going to work out that way yeah and i don't know if she is going to get into some sort of sexual trouble i imagine that she is um i can't say yeah well i think yeah yeah i mean i don't know desire is desire for recognition and desire for what we believe the big other wants Hmm. that's something I wrote anyway makes no sense uh, I think we should leave it there that's our, that's our first after dark actually <laughs> Ooh, it's, our after se- dark. it's our second after dark yeah because like an after dark is what some people have on podcasts where they kind of keep talking even though oh, they finish such a the professional <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah thanks uh, thanks for listening everyone um, I don't have to finish this though. oh uh, well yeah I hope you enjoyed our after dark um, that's it now we promise we won't come back with more things that fella has thought about. (laughs) Bye! Bye! (laughs) Cut to black.